if you think about it, in, in our respective lifetimes, our diet has changed tremendously. I can think back being too young when things like pasta and rice were exotic beyond belief. When suddenly broccoli appeared in my diet from nowhere in particular, and I suppose we've seen the, the, the burgeoning of, of Chinese, Indian, Italian, and the latest one apparently is Middle Eastern food that's beginning to, to seep into our national diet. We exist on a far more varied diet than we did However many years ago we might like to go back, a, a more ethical diet. There are a, a greater numbers becoming vegetarians and vegans to try and support the planet and, and whatever else. One of the constants, though, has been bread. No. If someone came and said that, you know, I am the avocado of life, we wouldn't know what they meant. But when Jesus said all those years ago, I am the bread of life, we know that bread is an essential part of our diet. It would be a struggle to exist without it. Yes, there may be a greater variety of breads than there have been in the past, but it's still there. I suspect a goodly number has already eaten some bread today, and probably the rest of the day goes on, then hopefully there'll be something there with bread in it as the day progresses. So I am the bread of life has a resonance about it. It sense, we can sense there's something important here that Jesus is saying to this crowd who've gathered to listen to him, and we need to unpluck something of what's involved here. And in a way, we can do it in three stages. There's talk of what we might call fast food, then there's talk of what we might deem peculiar food, and then we'll come to that phrase from Hebrews where the writer talks about solid food. Fast food. I remember the days when, when Ben and Fran were young and the draw of places like McDonald's. You would walk past and their little faces would light up with glee at the hope that their parents might say, come and take them in. And it was agonising because McDonald's is not my favourite thing to eat. Thankfully now they have far more sophisticated palates and that's been left behind, but they have friends, contemporaries, for whom... Fast food, it seems, is the perpetual diet. That's what they eat the vast majority of the time, and they don't follow any other particular path. Fast food all the time is not good for us. But that is what this crowd were looking for as they came seeking to persuade Jesus to respond to them. Let's just put chapter 6 of John in context. It's, it's a really important part of, of John's story of Jesus. At the beginning, you have the feeding of the 5,000. That story that is the only one, apart from the events of Holy Week, that appears in all four Gospels. And therefore, we have to assume it has huge significance. So the 5,000 are fed. Jesus then withdraws, the disciples get on a boat, and the crowd wonder what's happening in a sense. And then there is a storm, and Jesus walks on water. And then in the morning, the crowd wake up from wherever they've been sleeping, discover the boat has disappeared, they don't know where Jesus is, so they get in a load of boats that suddenly appear and trundle across the lake to Capernaum to try 
and find Jesus. And we have here this point at which they come together. We don't know how many of the 5,000 went across in boats because they would need a heck of a lot of boats to get 5,000 across. But it appears there's a significant group here who come and in a sense say to Jesus, give us more of what's happened. Because just think about it. Here are these people for whom life was a perpetual struggle to grow crops in an arid climate, to fish in a lake with no certainty, of course, of gaining a catch. And here comes this guy who can suddenly transform a few bits of bread and a couple of fish into this ability to feed this crowd with 12 baskets full left over. And you can almost imagine the light bulb moment in the crowd's heads thinking, this is fantastic because now we no longer need to strive and work because this guy can feed us without really thinking about it. So the journey across the lake, the pursuit of Jesus, is really because they've discovered the easy route. They want something very simple. They want Jesus to present them with the food. And the first part of the conversation that Alan read is really them saying to Jesus, give us more. And Jesus saying to them, you've not really quite got it. You've not really understood what's going on. And he tries to persuade them to think in different terms. They are thinking materially. He wants them to think spiritually. He'd made this fantastic meal out of inauspicious ingredients and they were hungry for more. They looked back to the days of Moses and manna coming down from heaven and they wanted that to be replicated so that life would be so easy compared to what it normally would be. Their struggles would be set aside. So when they say, sir, give us this bread always, they're coming from a purely selfish point of view. They want something that will satisfy there and now. They don't want to put the effort in. They want a nice, cushy, easy life where their needs are fulfilled and everybody else, in a sense, doesn't really matter. They thought they had found the solution, but their selfishness was to be their undoing. So there's fast food. And then secondly, this story goes on because the food becomes peculiar. Whenever Fran invites friends from the deep south of university to come up north to see what life is like in this, you know, wasteland of, of grime and mills and things, she normally says to them before they come, would you like a fat rascal? Because, of course, they've no idea what that means because it's a local delicacy. And the latest incarnation is coming up in a few weeks' time has been asked the same question, but Fran's now expanded it because she said to them, would you like a fat rascal? They said, yes. And they said, well, what would you like it with? I'll give you a choice. Would you like it with butter? or with lactose-free spread, because that's always available in our house, with mayonnaise, or with ketchup. And this poor, unsuspecting soul, who obviously doesn't quite understand Fran's sense of humour, 
has decreed that he will eat their fat rascal with ketchup. And I am determined to be there to ensure I can see how this plays out and whether they have the courage, in a sense, to eat it, which I'm sure Chris Harper would do, a fat rascal with, with ketchup, whereas most of us might stand back from that and wonder as to the wisdom of what's going on. It is a peculiar possibility, and doubtless we will keep you informed as to what happens. You know? Things like, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, or I used to be a celebrity, get me out of here, have these bush trials where people have to eat grubs and things that they wouldn't normally eat. If we walk around a, an Asian supermarket, we'd probably find things that we didn't really know what they were and what we would do them, with them. Food can be peculiar. And when Jesus says to this crowd, I am the bread of life, I think if you imagine yourself there, you can almost hear how puzzled the crowd are. They thought they were going to get their food handed over to them. And Jesus responds with this confusing statement. But then talking in terms of, you know, those who are hungry will be filled, those who are thirsty will no longer be struggling. I am the bread of life. It's from this passage that our Catholic friends get their ideas of transubstantiation, of the, the bread and wine becoming the body and blood. But for most of the church, the importance of this passage is it recognises the centrality that Jesus invites us to place him in our lives. When he talked about being the bread of life, he is inviting us to see him in a way as our spiritual nourishment. He's encouraging us to see him as the way forward. So in the midst of the chaos and struggles and challenges of life, he offers us something that will sustain us as we journey forward. He is our window on the divine. And in him we find something of the journey to which we are invited. The crowd failed to see that he was talking of the way to eternity. In a way, he was going back to where Jim Hope was last week, talking about I am the way and the truth and the life. This is all about the focus that we offer Jesus. Food and drink maintain the body. They enable it to function Jesus offers to nourish humanity, to give us a foretaste of the divine. This is peculiar food because it doesn't produce calories and energy, but through wisdom, example and sacrificial love, we see something that will sustain and enable life from here to eternity. So this fast food there is food that's peculiar. And then finally, there is solid food. Let me take you back to the summer of 1987. I don't know what you were doing in 1987, but I was coming towards the end of my first year of teaching, and I celebrated it in a unique way. Because at the end of June, I was cycling downhill going home, quite a steep hill, and some kind motorist forced me off my bike. Ambulance was called, taken to hospital, but fortunately, nothing much wrong. Then about two weeks later... 
I fell over in the schoolyard, broke my jaw, same ambulance crew came to collect me and took me and I had my, my jaw wired up for six weeks. Which meant, of course, I couldn't eat solid food. And my mum, bless her cotton socks, thought the solution was to go and buy baby food. Because she'd worked out, it, it, was, it was, you know, slushy, it would get through the gaps in my teeth, and she assumed it would be full of nourishment and all those important things. So she brought this home once I'd been got home from, and there we were, and she presented me with this, this brown slush, and I have to tell you, baby food is awful. It is dreadful stuff, and whatever flavour it was she gave me tasted exactly the same as the brown slush I'd had at the previous meal or whatever it was. And six weeks, six weeks of having your jaw stuck together and eating all this stuff was horrendous. And I cannot tell you how exciting it was to get my jaw back working properly and some proper food. Life became exciting again. But... If all I'd been used to eating was brown mush, then probably I wouldn't have been so excited. It was only because I'd come to a more sophisticated diet that I missed what I was used to rather than baby food. If I'd eaten baby food all my life, I think I probably would have been quite happy forcing it down my gullet and not really enjoying it, but knowing that's what food was like. Brown slush is not edifying. Go back to the, to the Hebrews. This is written to a, a Christian community who are being persecuted. We think they may have been in Rome and they're predominantly of a Jewish background who had become Christians. Life is hard and the rise of the Hebrews is really encouraging them. Lots of the passages in here are great exhortations to them to believe, to have faith, to trust. He goes over some of the key points in Christian understanding as a means of saying, just hold on to this that is really important. And here in chapter five, he reminds them of the importance of moving on. He is encouraging them to become mature. And in becoming mature, recognising in a way that their diet will change. Because as they come closer to Jesus, who they are will undergo a process of transformation. And the phrase that is used here is the invites them to consider the importance of training in righteousness. Here is an invitation to immerse yourself in who Jesus is and the path to which he causes. I've been reading some reflections by a woman called Sarah Berry, who is part of a group who um, decided that they would sit down for a year and meditate on the Sermon on the Mount. Three chapters in Matthew's Gospel. A year, meeting every week to pause, reflect, share and think. And she recounts how this was hard to begin with. But as time progressed, how beneficial they found this whole experience. A spending time with a short passage of scripture and ruminating on what it meant for them and the way that they lived. 
So she, she talks about what it is to fast. She talks about what it is not to worry. She goes through the Beatitudes and contemplates their significance and recounts in a way how on this journey, this group of women, in a way, became more Christ-like because they allowed themselves the time to ponder the significance of what the Sermon on the Mount taught us about the Jesus way. Now, a year reflecting on three chapters in one gospel may seem quite an extraordinary pursuit. But this lady talks of the way in which the whole group was changed. They were enabled, in a sense, to share something of their struggles, to share something of their insights. And they felt themselves grow over the period and in a way recognised how that was then beginning to impact on other people with whom they were associated as well. It's a picture, in a way, of a group moving from milk to solid food. So the question that we have to ask ourselves, and in a way what this whole series in some ways is all about, is how focused are we on working out what it is to walk the Jesus way? How intent are we on discovering the pathway to which Jesus calls us to read in the Gospels, to contemplate in the epistles and finding those things that should be enabled to touch and transform our lives. To allow things to get to a, a higher level. If you're anything like what happens in our house, you eat food every day. And some days, in a sense, it happens and it just happens in a sense there's no great memory of it because it's there just in a sense to fuel us for whatever goes ahead. But there are those things that you eat that occasionally will stop and make you sense the wonder of what it is that you have put into your mouth. Be that something that happens unexpectedly, you go somewhere and someone presents you with something and you eat it and you feel wow, or be it those things I suppose that we would call our favourites, that when we have them, take us to another level. So if you were in Atkinson Towers last night, there was a, a look of joy and delight on Louise's face because her husband made a mushroom bhaji, which I think is one of her favourite things to eat, and she can wax lyrical. That's one of the few reasons she keeps me on, is the mushroom bhaji. That and custard. And alongside it, we had a, a, a dry beef curry from Kerala in southern India, which is one of my favourites. So all was well in Atkinson Towers last night. Even the vegetarian, our son, managed this chickpea things that seemed to delight him as well. It was one of those nights, in a sense, when something about the food raised you up. And that really is what Jesus is saying to this crowd here. Do you want to be raised up to a new level? And to do that, it means we need to move from the simple story of faith to committing ourselves to journey more deeply. 
Not to lose the excitement of the story of redemption, the promise, the spirit, all these vital important things that are part and parcel of our Christian understanding, but to encourage ourselves to journey more deeply and find people and passages and ways of enabling that so that Jesus truly becomes the bread of life, the essential nourishment for our spiritual journey. So when we ask ourselves, how is it going? How is our faith journey? When we ask ourselves, what is our Christian diet like? Are we at the point where we need to commit ourselves to delving more deeply, to finding space and time with others by ourselves to ponder the significance of the Jesus story and the impact it has on our lives? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And the crowd thought they were going to get a simple solution to make their life easier. But Jesus had said, 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 this is the way. It's not about food. It's about how we nourish ourselves and how we become more like him who is like his father in heaven. What's your diet like? Not in terms of calories and energy levels and things like that. But in terms of helping yourself discover more of Jesus and become more like him. Amen.